Welcome to Wake the Bear Radio with your host, Brandon Johnson, Chris Hurst, and Ron Powers. All right, another night. Welcome to Wake the Bear Radio. This has been a crazy week this week, hasn't it? It has indeed. Hey, uh, Twitter has a new owner from what I hear. Yes. <laughs> oh, I hear it. Okay. Brandon, you're on. I'm on. Right now you're on, I think. Go for it. I'm, I'm, in, I'm in the good state of Texas right now. That's right. Uh, it smells like freedom over here. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Are you being overrun at the border? No, we're doing great over here. It's a beautiful, beautiful city, Dallas. Wow. Sounds wow. good. Yeah, well, also True Social, everybody's online. There, There is an open platform right now, so there's no beta testing anymore. Uh, it is good to go. And I hear there is a certain DJT who's going to be, um, he's going to be truthing. They're not, they're not tweets, they're truths um, on Truth Social. So that we have that to look forward to. And tonight we have a very special guest. We have Dr. Oh, wow. Brian Artis from, uh, from your, your neck of the woods where you are right now, Brandon. I think uh, he is from Plano, Texas. And I believe the good doctor actually resides in Texas. Yes, he does. Wow. Okay, I've got him on. Uh, let me give you an introduction. Um, Dr. Brian Artis is an activist in exposing corruption in the medical world. He is best known recently for that documentary, Watch the Water, released on Stu Peter's show, which has set the airways quite a buzz for the past two weeks. An entity released a hypothesis that snake venom is the source of COVID. He laid out his arguments using scientific research studies, symptomatology, and anecdotal evidence while challenging the scientific community to dig deeper and bring forth their conclusion. So we are so excited to have Dr. Artis uh, with us tonight. All right. Can you hear us, Dr. Artis? I can hear you. How are you? Oh. How is everybody? We're doing good. We're doing good. We're, uh, you know, we're really honored to have you. I, you know, I, I do a lot of alternative. I listen to a lot of alternative news. You've been on everybody's radar and everybody's show. It's amazing. Uh, I don't know if you sleep at all, but it seems like everybody <laughs> across the boards had either covered what you're doing or they've had you for an interview. So it's, uh, I feel like I know you and I know you don't know me, but uh, yes, it's been a, it's been a treat this last uh, couple weeks, actually. Yeah. yeah, it's actually been uh, quite the emotional. Uh, I, I tell people when people ask me, "How are you doing?" I said, "It's kind of like I'm sitting in a hurricane of emotions around the world. Like the whole world is in this emotional hurricane, and I'm sitting in the middle of it, in the eye, watching the world experience what I experienced over the last four months, unraveling all of this information that was so uh, unnerving to me." Oh, absolutely. Well, so, well let, let's just share a little bit about Wake the Bear Radio so you know our context and who our listeners are. We are a California-based uh, radio station, and we are trying to wake the, the bear is California, and we are trying to wake them up to the reality of the things that are going on around them so that they are not in the state of stupor and sleep. So uh, we thought you would be the perfect one to come in and bring a, a fresh fresh perspective and to help wake up our state yeah and we did cover uh we did cover uh, watch the water in detail last week and then we talked a little bit about it about the week before so there's a little bit of a background that our uh, audience uh knows so uh with that in mind you can fill in any of the gaps or what's the latest i, I know i just watched another video with you with dr uh, uh was it uh, G uh Ruby. Jane Ruby. Jane Ruby, yes. Yeah, Dr. Jane Ruby. Yeah. Yes. So that was great. So, uh, yeah, talk away. T tell us your story. What what it actually got this whole thing going? I mean, what, you know, in a brief way, but... Uh, in relationship to the snake venom idea yeah. or just yeah, in general? Yeah, how the yeah. idea come across, um, you know, for our listeners to understand. Yeah, that's great. So uh, I just want to tell everybody you should watch Watch the Water. If you haven't seen it with Stu Peters, and then you should second that... Don't just walk away from there thinking you know everything that I've actually put together as far as a narration of what I believe COVID-19 really is. But if you'll watch Mike Adams, 
Mike Adams and I did a three chapters before we even released the Stu Peters documentary. I went through every document breaking down the COVID-19 infection, as they call it, taking a look at all the hospital protocols surrounding COVID-19 and my concerns around snake venom there also. And then the snake venom concerns I have about the COVID-19 vaccines. And I actually spent three and a half hours and I lay out every document in order uh, of how this discovery came for me. So most medical professionals, they didn't really like the Stu Peters thing, but when they watched the Mike Adams chapters one, two, and three at Natural News or TV, they said it was the most incredible layout, one document after another for three and a half hours of me laying out my discovery. And uh, it really did solidify for a lot of people that uh, uh, you really shouldn't think this is a theory. You should really look at it as a truth. So pretty much like the way I do. So that's what I would recommend. But the but this is how it all started. I actually received a text on December 1st, 2021. So just four and a half months ago. And that text read, uh, Dr. Artis, if you got bit by a rattlesnake, would you go to a hospital and get antivenom? And this text, I can tell you who it came from. Uh, I didn't say it in the documentary because I didn't know if he was going to be comfortable with me t- telling anyone. But it's Dr. Richard Bartlett, who's from Odessa, Texas. And Dr. Richard Bartlett is an ER doctor who is most well known for a viral video that went around the world in May of 2020 or June of 2020, where he brought to light that he felt inspired as an ER doc to use nebulized budesonide as a cure for COVID. And Oxford backed up his suggestion with two research studies, Oxford and England, Figured out that 90% of people with COVID could survive using budesonide, so it backed up his findings. Uh, he sent me that text on December 1st, 2021, and he's a dear friend and colleague. We do a lot of events where we speak on stages and try to motivate and inspire and warn audiences. He sent me that text because I was bad-mouthing a therapy that not only he was using, but other doctors around the country to cure COVID, early treatment-wise, and it's called monoclonal antibodies. And I was bad-mouthing it in one interview on InfoWars a week prior to December 1st. And this is what what changed my whole life in the last four and a half months. This text made me look at something I was unaware of. Dr. Bartlett just wanted me to know, because he knows me, that if he sent me a question, like he stated, if I got bit by a rattlesnake, would I get antivenom? He knew that I would go like this. What's antivenom? He must know something <laughs> I don't. And so I went and looked up antivenom online only to uncover and discover it's actually monoclonal antibodies. Most antivenom is. And then I had to realize that, yes, okay, Dr. Bartlett, you're right. I actually would trust monoclonal antibodies in a life-threatening situation. And for the audience here and those in California and around the world, they have done a great job of creating fear and panic that if you get COVID, you might die like getting bit by a snake would you go trust monoclonal antibodies as a life-saving therapy well the truth was the answer for myself was yes i would and then the question was wait a minute if i would trust monoclonal antibodies if i got bit by a snake and monoclonal antibodies are used as anti-venom against snake bites why does it work so well against covid this was my own exploration (laughs) it was Wait a minute. I thought this came from bats, and I thought it was a virus. Why is it working against a virus and a bat thing? And that's really what I had to answer. So all of a sudden, I went like this. Well, if monoclonal antibodies are antivenom, in my limited understanding of monoclonal antibodies at that moment, it was if it works against COVID, was it ever mentioned that the possible source of SARS-CoV-2, known as the virus that causes COVID-19, was it ever mentioned by researchers or in the media that the possible source was snakes. Now, Richard Bartlett did not send me that text because he thought I would do this. He just wanted me to go, okay, I would trust monoclonal antibodies and be done. He had no idea what God did with my brain. It went like this. (laughs) That doesn't even make any sense. So what I found was, and I lay it out in Stu Peters and with uh, Mike Adams really well, that I found that since January of 2020 and into February and into March, it was actually suggested. And then again in April of 2020, researchers had discovered that when they did the genetic sequencing of the spike protein that's so deadly and infectious with SARS-CoV-2 causing the disease COVID-19, they both independently determined that the spike protein was not most identical to the genetic source from bats. 
It was actually the most identical to a venom of a snake called the Chinese crate snake venom and the Chinese king cobra venom. And then all of a sudden I was like, wait a minute, monoclonal antibodies work towards venom and it could have come from venom, SARS-CoV-2, this novel coronavirus. And then I started to wonder, what did the researchers in France in April of 2020 when they said the spike protein most resembled these two venoms from two venomous snakes, they then said that these two venoms attack nicotinic acetylcholine receptors in the brain, which control your ability to breathe. And these researchers said, I wonder if there's any protective mechanism of nicotine because what we're seeing in hospitals in the first four months of COVID in April of 2020, they said there was a worldwide observation that less than 5% of all people hospitalized for COVID were actually smokers. And they thought that was weird. They thought it should be 95% of people who are smokers should be in the hospitals because their lungs are damaged by smoking. Right. And if they breathe in a respiratory virus, they should all be really sick. But that wasn't the case. So these researchers said, we're, we would like all countries and governments to invest money in studies to see is there a protective mechanism of nicotine. Because these two venoms that look identical to the spike protein impact nicotinic receptors that control breathing. And maybe that's why COVID-19 patients can't breathe. And maybe this is why smokers aren't showing up in the hospital as much. Well, guess what our FDA did? So I, I decided when I saw the study out of France, I was like, I want to see what did, our, what did our government say as a result of this study? Did we fund nicotine studies? Nope. You know what Anthony Fauci, you know what Anthony Fauci and Walensky did from the CDC? They actually went into the media, went on news shows, created commercials even, and they went into the media, and this is what they said. All Americans, there's no better time than now to quit smoking because smokers are the most hospitalized from COVID-19 and dying the most often, and they flat-out lied to everybody. That was not the observation. Yeah, that's, and, uh, that just gets my blood boiling. And that set up the entire discovery. Then I knew they were lying about nicotine. Then I was like this. I wonder, I wonder what else they lied about. I wonder if they were so angry about doctors using hydroxychloroquine and firing doctors like the Simone Gold, who refused to use remdesivir because patients were dying in hospitals and instead used hydroxychloroquine that was working. I wonder if they were firing doctors because hydroxychloroquine works against venom. Like, I just wondered. I wonder. Imagine my shock, you guys, when I just typed in, what do antiparasitic drugs like ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine do to venom? And since 1993, there's studies where by itself, chloroquine and hydroxychloroquine block 50% of all the neurotoxicity, blood toxicity, and cell toxicity of snake venoms by itself, nothing else. And I was like, oh, no, these people are lying. And then I looked at, then I looked at corticosteroids. They've been restricting the use of corticosteroids for doctors in hospitals. They tell them you can only use this little bitty amount. Well, guess what? Corticosteroids also inhibit toxic effects of venoms of snakes. And I was like, oh, my goodness. And then I looked at NAC. NAC is a supplement called N-acetylcysteine. In May of 2020, the actual FDA here in America said that they were going to stop letting supplement companies sell NAC. And that's been sold by supplement companies for 70 years. They said they were going to make it a drug now where you have to get a prescription. The mm. truth is it, NAC stops blood coagulation, even from snake bites and from snake venoms, which cause blood clots, which is what these shots are doing and what COVID-19 does. So they were totally setting up restricting vitamin C, which is inhibitory to snake venom poisoning. They were restricting and punishing doctors for suggesting zinc. You know what the number one metal that snake venom causes your body to deplete and remove, which leads to death and disease? Zinc. They didn't want you replacing zinc. They wanted you to die from the lack of zinc and the ability to control neurological function, cardiovascular function, hormone balance. And then they also were threatening doctors shouldn't sell melatonin. Well, melatonin is inhibitory to snake venom too. And melatonin also stops blood clotting, which COVID-19 did, which is a side effect of those venoms. Isn't so, the melatonin also higher in children? I think I remember hearing one of those things, and that's why children had a lower uh, case rate. This, Great point. This is one of the things that I knew when I brought this to light that people around the world would start filling in some of the gaps of things I didn't have time to look at for four months. Mm -hmm. The morning after the Stu Peters documentary dropped, 
the very next morning, I woke up to like 150 text messages from around the world, and these people were so excited because it was answering questions they've had mysteries and no answers to for two years. For example, if SARS-CoV-2, the virus, is so deadly, how come it doesn't affect children like adults? And one of the answers they found in the middle of the night on the other side of the world, people from Europe were writing me going, oh my goodness, I could never figure out why kids weren't so affected by this dangerous virus, when in fact, children have on average much higher levels of melatonin hormone than adults. And then they typed in while I was asleep, these people were typing in around the world, does melatonin hormone inhibit snake venom poisoning? And sure enough, one research article after another was proving that melatonin has this inhibitory effect at blocking the deadly side effects of snake venom, which is why kids don't die as much from snake bites as adults do. It's, it's no different. So they are using weaponized venom and people around the world are getting so excited. 90% of all people are very, very excited to finally have answers to things they never, ever looked at. And it's because they weren't looking through the lens of venom. Mm. They were looking through the lens of a virus. And yeah. it wasn't making sense. Like, for example, yeah. two years ago, no one ever has seen a virus cause the loss of taste and smell. Never. And it was very odd to watch that with COVID-19 patients. Mm. And now, two years later, we talk like it's normal. You know, yeah, we got COVID. I got a virus. Now, now I lost my taste and smell. But that's never been normal. Never, ever, ever. Imagine my shock when I found out that uh, one of the side effects of viper venom, when you get bit, after you treat the bite even, you'll actually have a lingering loss of taste and smell that can last for months to even out over a year. And that's on the NIH's website. That's on Anthony Fauci's website, that it's a long-term effect of snake venom poisoning. And I'm like, Oh, my gosh. We've been looking at the wrong thing this whole time. They've been wow. weaponizing venom. Yep. You know, so uh, one of the, I just want to jump in real quick. One of the things that we admire about you, because we've been talking about you, you know, behind the, uh, you know, off the show, is that here's a person that didn't specialize in this, but yet he knows how to think uh, because of your background, uh, you know, being a chiropractor. So you took a scientific method, you had questions, and you honestly looked at things with an open mind, and you started to puzzle, th uh, put things together, pieces together. Like, well, if this works with that, maybe it'll work with this. And, and then you would do a, a search, which is open to everybody else. And we're always trying to encourage people to wake up and do their own research. And you're the perfect example of somebody, because a lot of times people will say, well, that's not my specialty. I, I would be, I, you know, what could I, what could I contribute? And here you contributed an amazing amount, way beyond what most specialists in this area have done. And it's because you, you decided to do a scientific method and you investigated. So I just wanted to say hats off to you. And we, uh, we admire you for doing that and being that example. Uh, you can keep going on. I just wanted to jump in there with that. <laughs> I really appreciate it. Because one of the things that happened, you will notice that people who have this inquisitive mind to go look up things, if you haven't seen the Dr. Jane Ruby episode, four days after we dropped the Stu Peters documentary and then did the Mike Adams three days worth of uh, three chapters of my discovery with snake venoms and COVID-19, there was a doctor out of South Africa who reached out to Dr. Jane Ruby and goes, oh my God, I can't believe it. I've been looking at the blood under a microscope and taking pictures of the blood of my patients here in South Africa for the last year and a half. And there's, there's these weird things that mm -hmm. they look like green crystal straws, like crystal with broken ends. And they were everywhere inside the blood of her patients after getting the shots. And she was posting over the last year on social media going, has anyone ever seen this before in the blood? What is this? I've never seen it before. Mm -hmm. After she watched my, my snake venom documentary, Watch the Water, came out, and I started talking about everyone needs to look at venom. This is the weapon. She went that night and went online and did what I did, except I didn't do what she did. She did this. She went like this. She got online and she typed in, what does snake venom look like under a microscope in someone's blood? And all these pictures came up and it was <laughs> blood under the microscope with these little green crystals in it. And she was like, oh my God, that was snake venom the whole time. And no one said mm. anything and none of us knew it because they were looking for things related to a virus. And they weren't seeing it. So then she goes, uh, what does snake venom do to red blood cells under a microscope from snake venom? And it looked like all, when you go on Google and look it up, all these pictures showed up. And the red blood cells that are typically spherical or round 
They shrink and then spike, like picture a spike ball, a ball with spikes on it. That's what was happening to red blood cells in her mRNA patients. And it looked like every single one of her mRNA vaccine-injured patients' blood was what she was seeing online. So then she did the next thing. She had three Pfizer vials in her clinic. And then the week following Stu Peters' documentary, Watch the Water, she took her own blood, put it on a slide, and you can watch it in the Dr. Jane Ruby episode. She takes her blood, puts it on a slide, and she films it video-wise and takes pictures of the blood. And you got normal red blood cells and a one white blood cell. They look all nice and pretty and healthy. Then she took one drop of the Pfizer vaccine, dropped it on the actual blood sample, and within five minutes, she films it. She watches it video-wise and takes pictures. Every red blood cell shrinks and spikes just like you see online happens with snake venom. And so she shares all of that with us, and I could not believe uh, just how excited she was to actually finally know what she was looking at. Because around the world, as people were looking at vaccinated blood of patients with COVID-19 shots, people around the world, when they see those things, they keep calling it nanotechnology. It's not nanotechnology. That's snake venom. That's exactly what it looks like under a microscope. So these are some of the gaps people are finally filling in. And they're seeing now answers to things just because they weren't looking through the lens of venom. And any Uh, symptom associated with COVID-19, loss of taste and smell, this hair loss thing that's happening to a lot of people, that's a side effect of snake venom. It just is. The difference in children surviving and adults surviving that's explained by snake venom. Melatonin hormone is protective. And children sleep a lot more than adults do. They have more melatonin than you do. That's your sleep hormone. So there's just a lot of answers now, which is very exciting. And then when you look at the injuries, the deaths from the vaccine, the myocarditis, when you see the neurological issues like brain fog, long hauler symptoms after the actual COVID injections, blood clotting all around the body, accelerated cancer growth. These are all side effects of venoms of snakes. So it's just something people need to look at, then start looking at, well, how do we handle snake venom envenomation, which is getting bit by a snake and having venom introduced into your body? Well, how do people treat that? Well, I can tell you. They use antivenom, <laughs> or they use glutathione, NAC, and vitamin C. That's mm. what you use to actually stop envenomation from snake venom. So this was the exciting p- part of everything that's happening, and then Hopefully, we did enough to warn the world to look at the vaccines in a way that is even scarier, because it is scarier. The people who made these two shots, their name are Drew Weissman and Cataline Carrico at the University of Pennsylvania. I didn't even know who they were. But when I found that there was this thing called an elevated D-dimer test being found in 60% of vaccinated people, I didn't know what a D-dimer test was, so I went online and I said, what does D-dimer test, what is it interpreted to mean by medical doctors and lab technicians? There's five things they say to look for on a test with elevated D-dimers, which was showing up in 60% of a medical doctor's practice in Canada last summer. He said of all of his mRNA-vaccinated people, 60% of all of them had elevated D-dimers, which means there's massive amounts of blood clotting going on in their bodies after the shots. Imagine my surprise that on Medscape.com, <laughs> it has five things on there that people look for with elevated D-dimers, and snake venom poisoning is one of them. And I was like, oh, oh no. Wow, it sounds like look- you followed the breadcrumbs. I mean, you're just following breadcrumbs. You just do your due diligence and you're you're doing your research and you're coming up with some answers and you're doing some more and you're digging. Wow. So yep, let me ask you. let me ask you about the D dimers then. I mean, if if you uh, if someone very close to me had taken the jab, uh, both of them, and uh, they're they're very tired. They, you know, they just they feel like they have a virus and they're always tired. Would that be uh, would that be a a sign from the blood clotting, like you know, circulation isn't as well, or is that something totally different? And maybe a D, going in for a D-dimer test would say, hey, look, your blood is not within the normal range. Uh, yeah, that's a great question. Good question. So Dr. Charles Hoff in British Columbia, Canada, the number one symptom that all these people post-vaccines were actually complaining of was extreme fatigue, like you're talking about. <laughs> and they couldn't walk upstairs without having to stand there and catch their breath. I just want you to know, 
when you have micro blood clotting going in throughout your body, the blood's not flowing as quickly as it normally does, and your blood is carrying oxygen to your body. So you'll start experiencing brain fog, lethargy. When you walk, you'll run out of energy. If you exercise, it's going to take you a lot longer to recover. This is all signs or symptoms that you have micro blood clotting. And anybody who has any of those symptoms after getting these mRNA vaccines, you need to go to LabCorp or to Quest. These are blood draw centers and labs where they do medical testing. And you can actually ask them. Just tell them, I want a D-dimer test. And they'll do it. And you want to see if it's flagged high. And if it is, you're having massive amounts of blood clotting in your body as a reaction to the shots. And you all need to get on NAC or you need to go talk to your medical doctor and have them prescribe you aspirin or some kind of blood thinner because you're blood clotting. I personally, as a chiropractor, would suggest things like NAC, which actually dissolve and reduce blood clotting in the blood and are preventative against snake venom phosphodiesterase, which is what the shot creators have used for decades to do gene editing therapy with these shots. They use snake venom to do it. And NAC, glutathione, and vitamin C are inhibitory to the snake venom component, which could possibly be in your bodies floating around causing all the blood clotting. Okay. Well, thank you for that information. I mean, we're, we're trying to be a show of hope as well because we do we give a lot of uh, doom and gloom sometimes, but it's the truth, you know. And so it's Absolutely. nice to have uh, hope. And, and it seems like what you've done is open a door for hope because as bad and nefarious as this plan was to use venom, it also it's better to know what you have or know what you're up against rather than blindly, you know, being tossed to and fro saying i don't know what the cure is and i don't even know what the problem is you know we can't isolate covid seems like nobody can isolate the uh the virus and so now you know what you're dealing with wow and dr dr artis i think one of the things that i so appreciate is that you have invited people into this story that you have discovered and that you're not just a one-man band but everyone gets to play and test the theories that's really what you're saying is hey let's open up the discussion let's do the research let's examine some products let's come up with some hypotheses let's not be shamed or intimidated into saying something that might sound like it's out of the box isn't that exactly what the scientific theory is supposed to be about it's okay let's test these things and and let's say okay that didn't work let's test some more let's open the question so that it becomes um wide enough so now it's not just the washington experts who are telling us what we must do what we can and can't have available to us but we have all the thinking minds in the medical industry and even beyond the medical industry beginning to uh, do the research and think deeply into what in the world is going on mm-hmm. absolutely so i invite everybody who's got any symptoms after having covid struggling with acute covid symptoms of any kind uh, i just ask you to look online and say my symptoms and snake venom and see if it comes up and if it does uh, there are lots of things that inhibit snake venom zinc does it copper is beneficial uh, nac vitamin c glutathione You've got your other early treatment options that medical doctors have done a great job using. They didn't even know what they were treating, but I believe God led them to use these as early treatment. Hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, corticosteroids, budesonide, like Dr. Bartlett figured out and has been promoting. And you can learn more about that at budesonideworks.com. Budesonide is B-U-D-E-S-O-N-I-D-E works, W-R-K-S.com for all the research articles, even people who provide the prescriptions, all that stuff is there for you. It's awesome. Awesome. Anyway, these people have been using these things to help preserve people's lives, and it's worked. For those of you who have struggled to get over long haulers, to get over injuries from the vaccines, I would suggest you do a D-dimer test first and off the bat. Go ask your doctor to order it or go to LabCorp and Quest and get it. Once you have that info and you want to consult with your medical professional or go to a infusion center and i would say look i'm having blood clotting what about glutathione and vitamin c infusions and they'll take your medical history they'll figure out who you are and they have the methods to know exactly how much they should use how often and let's start helping you recover um 
Venom is the source of COVID-19. It's the most identical to two snake venoms, king Chinese crate snakes and Chinese king cobra snakes. But that's not the only one. They actually found in Italy in June of 2020 after France did their study and found king cobra and crate snake venom were the most identical to the spike protein. Italy took 20 COVID-19 patients and 10 people who did not test for COVID-19. The 20 patients were sick from multiple cities of Italy, and they ran their blood, urine, and their stool samples for all people, including those who did not have COVID. And they ran it for animal venom peptides based off of what the French researchers and the Chinese researchers found about the spike protein. They found only in the COVID-19 patients, not in the negative COVID-19 patients. They didn't find any in the non-COVID patients. In the COVID-19 patients, blood, urine, and feces, they found 36 different animal venoms, including 20 snake venoms, including spitting king cobra venom, king cobra venom, Malayan crate venom, coral snake venom, and then they found 16 marine shellfish venomous toxins. Kono snail toxins, which is called alpha conotoxin, it's more lethal and deadly than king cobra venom, and has been synthetically made in factories since 1989, and it's just as biologically dangerous and deadly as the real stuff. I didn't know anything about this stuff. And they also found a starfish deadly venom from what's called the crown of thorn starfish. How did that end up in the blood, urine, and poop of COVID-19 patients? I have no idea. Well, I think you do have some ideas, actually. I actually actually do have my own idea of how they're doing it. And uh, I actually think they're doing it through the water. And I think they've been doing it across the world. Governments have been putting these peptides in water as delivery systems, and we're all drinking it, which even makes the mask even more ridiculous, in my opinion, unfortunately. Yeah, that is kind of an in-your-face. You know what that that brings to to you have to evaluate that and go. We cannot ignore that there is some sort of very nefarious plan, and when uh, that's really what we're waking people up to that th- things are not always as they appear. There are often some things that need to dig deeper in. That the narrative that we're getting is not the whole story, and. I mean that that brings a lot of despair. I saw your um, in the research where you were talking about um, the the venom was peptide like venom um, toxins that were being produced outside of the host, the the, the animals that you just um, mentioned. There were synthetic abilities to make all these poisons and toxins of these various. Um, uh, organisms through the organoids of those um, venomous creatures. And that that's very disturbing. It, it sounds like there's a giant worldwide global experiment going on to find out what is it that's going to uh, bring the demise of some people. I mean, that's quite a, um, that's quite a, a variety of toxins. In a small, um, 20 people isn't a very big group, but 100% of them had some sort of, of uh, animal toxin in them. You're exactly right. And I will tell you, uh, it's very disturbing to me, and I'll tell you on this show right now something that's come to light to me over the last even 48 hours. <laughs> I'm actually convinced, and it's really disgusting from a few videos I saw that were produced by microbiologists last summer. I'm actually convinced that inside at least the Pfizer shots that they actually have the organoids from snake venom glands. These are actually things you extract from snake venom glands, and you can put it in a Petri dish, and it will sit there and grow venom all on its own without the snake attached. This is how they make venom in a lab. I actually think they have those organoids in in the Pfizer vials, and as they're being shipped in cool temperatures, the organoids, as long as they stay at a cool temperature, like a reptile's uh, cold, you know, they're cold-blooded, as long as you keep it at a cool temperature, these organoids will continue to produce more venom. It appears to me that as the shots are being shipped out, they actually are sitting there producing more venom. It looks like that inside the vial. It's horrific what I've seen under the microscope from other people's work. So as they make them and then ship them out, they're actually just sitting there producing venom. 
And then you're going to inject that into kids? I mean, the majority of people are dying within 50% of all people that die from these shots die in the first 48 hours. Mm. That's exactly the same as people who get venom from vipers. Wow. But uh, anyway, I'm very concerned about that. And I'll tell you, the water aspect for me, most of the world didn't even know that the world's government have been looking for SARS-CoV-2 in your water treatment plants as their primary predictor for an outbreak in your town of COVID-19, of a SARS respiratory virus. Most of the world didn't even know that until I brought it to light. But I've been bothered this whole time that the CDC here in America has 400 testing sites, including in California and 37 cities, particularly around San Francisco, actually. And they will actually PCR test the water and they look for COVID-19 levels supposedly in your sewer water as you flush the toilet. And then they use that as a predictor for a few days later of an outbreak in your town. Well, that's what they're doing all around the world. And it doesn't make any sense to me personally. I would think if I was looking for a respiratory virus, I think I'd go look in air filters and airplanes <laughs> and subway cars and uh, houses and, and in schools. And I would go looking in air filters for an air pathogen, I would think. I don't think I'd use the water. But uh, anyway, all governments around the world have been doing it. I don't trust these governments and how they've handled this pandemic. And the CDC didn't even tell the public they were doing it for the first 10 months of the pandemic. They didn't even mm -hmm. let you know. So, and they didn't release the data on what they found or what they were doing. So I've had a very hard time trusting them. And I will tell you, it's been very odd. I had a medical doctor interviewing me this morning. This medical doctor wanted to talk to me because of the Watch the Water documentary. He goes, Dr. Artis, I have to tell you, Finally, after watching your watch the water, he goes, I had an immediate knee-jerk reaction like most MDs do to a chiropractor. They go, don't listen to him. He's not a medical doctor. He goes, and then I just sat there for a second and went like this. Well, that was kind of jerkish of me is what he said to himself. And then he went like this. <laughs> oh, my God, everything he's saying makes exact sense, including the water. He goes, Dr. Artis, my whole family's never gotten covid he said, we got a little bit of sniffles one time when we went out of town for one day. But he goes, do you know what? We live on a well. Mm. And I said, do you, know, do you know how many people in the last four and a half months have told me they've never gotten COVID in their family? And I'll look at them every time and I'll go like this. Do you live on a well? Every time they've said yes. Now, this isn't going to be across the board. But for the majority of people who live on a well, they didn't get sick. But people who live on a well and went out of town and went to a restaurant, drank water, had ice in their drink, they did get COVID, some of them. So it's not absolute, but for those who just live on a well and have been locked down for the past two years, they haven't gotten COVID. And it actually explains possibly why they're not getting COVID. And for anybody who said you can't deliver snake venom peptides in water, two days after my documentary dropped, a company out of the United Kingdom named Venom Tech. They actually created a press release. I don't know if you saw this. They said, we mass manufacture snake venom peptides, and we now have nanoparticle technology that allows us to deliver venom through water delivery systems. And why would they do that? I mean, it, what, what would their angle be as a positive one? I mean, yeah, this is exactly what it was. <laughs> Pe people think, people think, that you can't swallow the venom of snakes and it cause any changes to your physiology because they say your stomach acid destroys it. But that's not true. So what they are doing, Venom Tech is selling snake venom peptides they can make synthetically. These are little bitty pieces of snake venom that do certain things in your body. They can mass produce them synthetically and they're selling them to drug companies. And they're telling the drug companies now you can actually make it in drinkable forms and you can just have your patients drink it instead of swallowing a pill <laughs> hmm. or, or uh, injecting it into the body and the veins. Uh, and just so you know, I just want you to know that they know they can do it. They can deliver it through water systems. This large manufacturer, one of the largest venom manufacturers in the world, did not announce two days after my documentary dropped because they figured out they could do it in 48 hours. They've been doing this for decades, hmm. decades. They know how to do this. They know the actual technology. Yeah. Do you think that nanoparticle system is uh, part of a gain of function? Is that what gain of function is, that it, it allows a delivery system that normally wouldn't be uh, available to the organism or to the, the route is? Uh, I'm not quite sure how nanoparticles work. 
Yeah, I'll tell you. So, great question. So, uh, gain-of-function testing is taking a species of some sort, some kind of animal, has some kind of bacteria, virus, or something that infects those that specific animal group or species. Gain-of-function testing is trying to figure out how to get it to skip multiple steps to infect humans or another species versus going like this. For example, a bat has a virus, then a bat bites a cow or a horse, and then we eat the horse, and then we get the, the actual virus in us, and we get sick from it. Instead, they want to see if they can get it to go from the bat directly into the human, which it has no natural pathway to do that. So gain of function is how can you make something skip normal transmission from one species to another until it finally gets to man? How, how can we get it to skip all those steps and just become infectious to humans? Because, for example, bat coronaviruses, they don't infect humans. Mm. So they had to figure out how to make it infect humans. That's what they had to do. Well, I just want you to know, uh, when the scientists in Italy found all of the animal venom peptides in the poop, urine, and blood of COVID-19 patients, I just need to tell the audience something. There wasn't a single bat nothing inside of that list. <laughs> And yet all of you think it's a bat coronavirus, and it has nothing to do with bats. I'm just telling you, gain-of-function testing is that. Nanoparticles is something different. So I'm going to tell you what that is. So, for example, do you remember that when people started getting these mRNA shots, they would put it all over social media that they could put metal objects against their body, and it was magnetized? Yeah, I remember that. I was skeptical of it because someone put a key, and I'm like, well, keys are never magnetic. But I think there might be some truth to that. Tell, tell us about it. Yeah, so imagine my shock when I found that the two people who created these shots from the University of Pennsylvania, in 2009, they were taking mRNA from snakes, and they were wrapping it in something called nanoparticle. Nano means itty-bitty tiny, little bitty particle, what's called hydrogel. It's like a bunch of fat wrapped around the actual uh, mRNA or genetic snippet. And then they took little bitty nanoparticles of something called dynabeads, and they stuck it inside that fat lipid layer wrapping around the mRNA they called hydrogel. The dynabeads, I didn't even know what that was until about three months ago. I was like, what is dynabeads? So then I looked it up. You can look it up right now on your computer. Dynabeads are made by a company called Thermo Fisher Scientific. They make these little bitty nanoparticle balls of metal that are called supermagnets. And they actually polarize them to have just one charge, either negative or positive, but they're all identical. So they wrap these little bitty magnetic balls around your mRNA, and they inject billions of these little things inside your body. And then every single mRNA or little gene sequence that they're trying to get inside your DNA that's wrapped with these little magnets, these nanoparticle magnets, they all repel each other because they're the same polarity, you know, like the negative and negative of a magnet will repel. Right. Every single little particle will repel each other and disperse into every organ of your body. That's how they speed up the delivery system. So nanoparticles are how do you wrap biological material like mRNA or anything else you're looking for. You wrap it in hydrogel that allows it to actually interact with the fat lipid layer of your cell membranes. Remember the walls of your cells? They're yeah. fats, and they need nanoparticle fat mm -hmm. to contact that, and then they use DynaBeads to send it all over your body and then help it get into your cells. Now, with the nanoparticle hydrogel wrapped around the mRNA, what I'm worried about is these same researchers, when they were using hydrogel and nanoparticle metal balls called DynaBeads, D-Y-N-A, beads, what they use to get your cells to cleave or cut your DNA and RNA to insert some other mRNA into yours. mRNA is a piece of genetic material. They used snake venom to do it since 2009. And Anthony Fauci has been funding their work to do what's called gene editing therapy for mRNA with snake venom. So I'm worried that they're using snake venom phosphodiesterase inside of these shots to do the mRNA therapy, gene therapy, that Anthony Fauci has been funding for over at least 13 years now. So that I'm very concerned about. But uh, anyway, that's an example of nanoparticle hydrogel. Nanoparticles are itty-bitty particles to stabilize some biological substance 
from degrading faster than it would if it wasn't wrapped in something. So if all the well, world were at your disposal <clears throat> and all the scientists could come together and collaborate for solutions, what do you think is the next couple of steps needed to figure out if your theory is right? Uh, number one, number one is easy. We need to actually get the Pfizer, Moderna, Johnson & Johnson, AstraZeneca, the Corbavax, which reads like Cobravax, which is being used in India. Uh, interesting enough, it actually is spelled just like Cobravax, and they mm. manufacture Cobra venom and antivenom for Cobras, which is disgusting. Anyway, I think we should grab up all of these uh, vaccines, and we have labs who have already agreed with me to test them for snake venom peptides organoids and other toxins from toxic animals if it's in there we should absolutely be testing this stuff we've never seen such horrible side effects from a vaccine as these oh, right. around the world so we need to find out what's in it well do you know what's really dangerous and does the same thing venomous creatures do the same thing to human bodies if they get injected with that stuff so we need to test it if we find that these pharmaceutical companies have been lying to us this whole time that about not disclosing that venom is in these things or organoids of venom glands are in these things, we should actually take all of them and shut them down. And then we should hold every single CEO, every board member, and throw them all in prison. That's the number one thing we should do right now. Get and then off. we should actually we should fire them all, imprison them all, and then take all of their money and support all the victims, the billions of people who have been injected who may have injuries right now and actually find ways to help save and preserve their lives. That's what we should do. Do you remember when uh, we, we had lawyers for decades that were trying to sue the tobacco industry for knowing that their products called lung cancer, but they lied and lied and lied and said they didn't do it? Right. They finally found some lawyers with some gohonads who finally were able to take plaintiffs who developed lung cancer after smoking, and they finally sued them and won an award of billions and billions of dollars. We should do the exact same thing right now against all these people. And then, if we determine that all these shots are as deadly and dangerous as I'm suggesting, and that they have snake venom in them, for example, Anthony Fauci should be thrown in jail in prison. Uh, Joe Biden should be thrown in prison. Walensky should be thrown in prison. And anyone else who's actually in a government position, period, in the world, who has encouraged their citizens that they have to get it, and then have mandated reasons why they had to bullying and coercing them to get these shots they should all be held uh, as accomplices i believe in this mass genocide eugenics program they're calling covid19 that's a lot like the nurberg trials um you know people were held even the press was held responsible for some of these things yep. yeah except there won't be just 11 people that actually get hung yeah. i think there should be thousands of them hmm. well that the solution that you're proposing is not that difficult i mean I mean, no, the, it's not. the trials part. Now, that's going to take some time. But the lab tests, that shouldn't be hard to find some, some uh, vials of some, some of the various company products to test. Oh, can I read you a text I got from Richard Bartlett this morning that actually fits right in line with this? I, I found this shocking when he sent this to me. <laughs> I have to read this to you because it was a brand new a brand new article that was published this morning. And this was his response. He goes, uh, hey, Doc, I think they are worried that some vials might get studied at texmed.org, T-E-X-M-E-D.org. There's this article published this morning that says, titled, Mandatory Monthly COVID Vaccine Inventory Reporting Starts mm. May 1st. <laughs> they don't want anybody taking those shots oh and gosh. going and getting them tested anywhere without them going into the body of somebody and having it actually recorded. So, yes, and I looked at, I, I texted him back and I said, you better believe it. You know, we're making them nervous by making them aware of what's in there and wanting people to look at it. So uh, I need some lawyers. I need somebody with some gojones that can actually go, we're going to pull this, file an injunction to actually get some of these actual given to us to be independently tested. And if we can prove that it's in there, if there is snake venom in these shots or conotoxin from snails that are deadly and lethal, and that's why you're seeing so much heart failure, neurological compromise, autoimmune disease being developed from these shots post getting the shots. We need to stop the campaign worldwide immediately. Absolutely. And, we, and then we win and we save lives. 
Wow. I tell you, you have filled us with a lot of information tonight. Uh, you know, we have, actually, we have our co-hosts in Plano, Texas right now, Brandon. Mm -hmm. And uh, are you there, Brandon? Because I would love for him to pray for you, cause just just uh, yeah. hovering over you. Brandon, why don't yeah, you do that? Because we're, we're, we're down so, the last couple minutes, so go for it. So glad you've been on here. This is amazing. Um, these are all the questions that we've been, um, that we have and that uh, you're answering them. Um, one of the questions I had before I jump into praying is, is, do you think that there is a control group and a placebo group going on around the world? Do you think there's a control group and a placebo group? Um, are you there, Dr. Artis? I'm here. Oh, yeah. I, oh, uh, can you... Maybe he can't hear with, uh, okay, we have somebody in Plano, Texas on a call. I don't know if you heard him. He was asking if you believe there's a placebo group and a control group uh, in the world, throughout the world. Like not everybody's getting the same. Uh, actually, uh, I'm not sure about that. I actually used to think that that was possible, that there was some placebo or saline shots that weren't actually tainted or deadly or dangerous. But uh, you have to understand all the research I've done for four and a half months, they've actually not been targeting everyone, and you don't have to with these shots. There are specific aspects in venom. Like, for example, in the King Cobra venom, Viper venom, there's 19 organ-targeting peptides. Wow. And they're isolating individual ones that target diabetics by destroying their pancreas, by targeting heart disease patients with the venom aspects that only stop the heart from beating, they have patients who have neurological diseases, and they have these peptides that just target neurological tissue. And then patients with kidney issues and liver issues, there's peptides in there that target them. It's the people who have comorbidities and a genetic predisposition for one chromosome called chromosome 3. They're targeting those people with these peptides. So it will appear that some people aren't having any reaction, and it's because they don't have preexisting conditions. Wow. But those that do, they're targeting diabetics more than anyone. No one's dying more than diabetics, and they know how to kill the pancreas of a diabetic and have the same venom not affect healthy individuals, even if you give them the same amount. Okay. Hey, we are down to less than a minute, so we're just going to close in a word of prayer for you. Uh, I don't think uh, Brandon calling in, he could hear you and you could hear him. So I'm going to have Chris pray for you right now. We'll close this last minute out. Yeah, Father, in the name of Jesus, we just uh, bring this whole situation in front of you, and we thank you that you are not on your throne afraid. And so we thank you that you say, fear not, for I am with you. Do not be afraid, for I am your God. I will surely strengthen you, and I will take hold of you with my mighty right hand. And that is Isaiah 41.10. And, and we just pray that over Dr. Artis right now. Take hold of him, strengthen him, bring him the, the resources he needs. And we thank you that you are the way and the truth and the life. Amen. Yes, and we have plenty of Amen. stuff on the show notes. All the things that uh, Dr. Artis mentioned, 